welcome back to RPG RD. I am one of your co-hosts, Jess Geyer, and I am a TTRPG designer. And I am here with my co-host, Craig Campbell. Hi, Craig. Hi, Jess. Uh, yeah, I'm Craig Campbell, and uh, I'm that Nerdburger Games guy. I also design and publish tabletop role-playing games. And we are here with a uh, guest. Surprise! We have a guest. Finally, for once. <laughs> oh yeah we, we've been like we've gone so many episodes guest list and, and now <laughs> uh hi hi ben ben sandfelder hi ben our special guest hello host. hey so yeah i'm ben sandfelder i'm also a writer and designer in tabletop role-playing games uh i published a uh world war ii fantasy rpg called lightning war and Craig was just so helpful and so much of a mentor for that entire process. It's a protege. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of feel that way about a little it. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we talked here and there. Yeah. We have a protege. A little bit. Yeah. Well, now what I imagine is like a is like a Batman and Robin type situation. And I'm I'm a little frightened for your survival now, Ben. I hope, <laughs> I hope that you're okay. That's I, fine. I'm still, still one of the most interesting moments that I think I had with uh, at a convention was with me, um, Aloy LaSanta from Third Eye Games, and Ben at breakfast oh, yeah. several years ago where he was telling us, this is when he was designing Lightning War and we were, he was telling us all about some sort of stuff, some, some parts of the game. And, and it was having trouble with some things. We were just kind of asking advice. We were bouncing ideas around and we just like, the three of us just kind of like tore down and redesigned part of his game at the breakfast table. Yeah. And that was actually, that was, a, that was a sci-fi game I was working on before lightning war, but a lot of the ideas we came oh, up yeah. with in that one, like the, well, what if everyone had multiple characters and they died a lot and that was part of the story, that whole bit actually became the heart of lightning war next. Yeah. And it was just such a cool session. <laughs> that should be a topic for the future is how to, how to talk shop with your designer Ooh, yeah buddies. that'd be a good one <laughs> I, I i love having those kinds of conversations so that's kind of what we do here this podcast yeah. is kind of that jess yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no i think about it <laughs> you you and i have Hold talked shop name. for you and i we've talked we've talked shop for before today a day straight wow 24 episodes 24 oh, wow. hours wow we've, we have talked shop for one day straight now, if we multiply, if we you get up to 28 days, and that's how many days I spent playing World of Warcraft, and then we'll be talking. Then we'll be talking. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Craig, what do we do on this podcast? Uh, we, we, we talk shop. We talk shop. Um, we talk um, GMing RPGs and also designing RPGs, and we kind of touch on uh, both topics. We're going to start today a little bit talking about GMing convention games, and uh, this is a fortuitous uh, selection by Ben as far as topic goes, because uh, it's getting toward the end of this year. And I'm starting to think about like what I'm going to be doing for conventions next year now that they're happening again. And so we're talking a lot of convention stuff today. Um, jamming a convention game is kind of a different beast mm -hmm. than, than GMing a home game oh, or yeah. GMing a um, even like a game day game. Like if you just go to the the, the, the local game store and people sit down and play like there's there's more flexibility potentially in there with the convention game there's there's some restrictions and some things to keep in mind and so we're just going to kind of talk about a little bit of that so um anybody who wants to jump in what's your kind of first uh first rule of gming and keep in mind um 
as is the case with all this GMing advice and stuff like this, your mileage may vary. This is just our perceptions and experiences. Like what's, what's, what, what sorts of things do you try to keep in mind when you're going to run a game at a convention? Well, I want to, I'll get into a little bit of my experience being a GM at con games, because that's kind of how I got my start designing games in the first place. Um, my first ever convention that I ever ran a game at was Gen Con. And that was absolutely terrifying because oh, yeah. one of the differences that you alluded to earlier, Craig, with a convention game versus your home game or even a game day game is you're playing with a possibly random grab bag of people, people that aren't necessarily coming from even the same state or even the same country. Sometimes, sometimes you'll get a group. Everyone belongs to the same group. They all know each other ahead of time. And you don't really know what you're going to be getting into until they, they sit down at your table. And uh, that can be a little nerve wracking, especially if it's your first time uh, GMing at a convention game. I personally wouldn't recommend GMing at a convention game until you've run a game elsewhere. Uh, because there's a lot that goes into it and you're kind of like, uh, it's, it, that would be like, uh, you know, doing your play before you had a rehearsal. Uh, so for me, <laughs> yeah. my first time ever running was for, uh, Baker street, which is a fear like games property. Uh, and I was, I, like I said, I was really nervous, had everything set up, had run the game before, but I had just spent, it was my second Gen Con ever, but the first one I had been to was several years before that. And I had been the only, um, the only woman in the room, like basically the entire day, unless I was with some of the other Fearlight people. And that, I mean, I can get into that a little bit later um, with that, with um, being at conventions as a woman. Uh, but it was, it was a good time. It was, a, it was a spectacular time, in fact. And I ran three games that weekend, and now I haven't stopped. I only run games pretty much at conventions. Now I hardly ever play them anymore because you, got, you get this kind of runner's high from, from doing it. But I'm going to stop there because I can talk about this all day. Um, sure. But, uh, but yeah, I, I had my I, trial by fire, really, with my first ever yeah. convention game. Wow. I can definitely relate to a lot of that. Um, a lot of the convention experience I have uh, was running D&D Adventurers League uh, for 5th edition. And uh, before that, I had a little bit of experience running uh, the early, early 5th edition organized play stuff. And before that, the 4th edition D&D Encounter stuff at a local gaming store. And uh, for me you were talking about the kind of grab bag of people. One of the most important parts about running games at a convention is that they're paying to be there and they have a higher expectation for uh, knowing the material than at like a, you know, just a game day kind of deal or even your home game. Um, and on top of that, you also have a time limit, uh, which you don't usually have in under circumstance, uh, other circumstances. So for me, running D&D uh, &D specifically, which is a pretty crunchy game, all things considered at conventions, it required a lot more rules knowledge, a lot more like GM shortcuts, and a lot more um, just time management skills than I was really expecting when I first went into it. Yeah, I mean, not only too are you on that time limit and you have the grab of people who are paying to be there, if you're running D&D &D and you mess up, 
you aren't really reflecting poorly on the company um, of Wizards of the Coast slash Hasbro. They are not going to be poorly affected by your terrible DMing. But if you are running a small indie game like Baker Street and you mess something up, there's a lot of pressure on you because only a few people are going to be playing that game and you might be, and this is true even if you're doing D&D, you might be their first ever experience getting in. You might be the person who either launches them into a long storied history of playing TTRPGs or gets them to stop playing entirely because, hey, that one GM sucked a lot. Let's add some more. Let's add some more pressure, shall we? Um, (laughs) Not only are they paying to do this in time or in money, they're paying in time. Let's say it's a three-day convention. Let's say there's three slots, three slots, two slots. That's eight slots of of time that they have available in four-hour chunks, let's say. Um, So if they're playing four-hour games, they're giving up an eighth of their convention to play in your game. Yikes. Um, and that might be, you know, that's even a, maybe a higher percentage of their gaming because they may you know, want to go do the dealer hall for one time. And they may just go and hang out with friends one evening. Um, so, like, yes, okay, all the pressure's there. Now that we've made it sound really scary, <laughs> let's, let's talk about things that we can do, too, to make it um, less scary and less likely that you'll kind of, you know, goof something up. Um, one of the things that, uh, like two, two things I want to hit first, I think that are like the things that I keep in mind. Like if you're, if you get to put together your own scenario, your own story, adventure, whatever to run is one, <clears throat> know the game really well, make sure it's a game, you know, well, don't run a game for the first time at a convention if you can right. avoid it. Um, and two is don't, try to cram any more into the game than you think you have time, you, you know, that you, that you have time for. And some of the things that you have to keep in mind is that, like you said, strangers, you don't know how these players are going to function at the table. So if you put together a scenario that has like seven key points that the characters should kind of uh, uh, deal with in some way, shape or form, whatever order they come in, however you put it all together, um, before they resolve the story. And then you get a table full of, of five people that love to just play it, act their character. And they're going to spend two of those four hours just talking to each other in voices. Um, you're not going to get through those seven things. Like it, it's much better to have like two or three key moments that kind of are going to propel the story. And then if you get a group that is going to be not real talky, then you can make up some other stuff or have a few things in your back pocket and say, well, I can complicate the sequence with this, but I'm not going to, I don't have to use this scene. I don't have to have this challenge, but I can add it if it will flesh out um, the time because the, the, the players are really, you know, rocking and rolling through there. Cause some players will play, a, will play a game. Like it's a, like it's a race. Like it's a challenge to, to, they might've had uh, uh, convention experiences where they couldn't get to the end. So they're going to make sure we're going to get through this thing because I want to have a complete story at the end. So they're, they, mm-hmm. they may really push to get through. So try to have, you know, only a few set pieces that are going to propel the overall story and everything else is kind of things that you can fill in and just make things bigger. Yeah, it's, it's really, if, if you have a beginning, a middle and an end planned out, and then you can throw some things in the middle, judging by time. Um, like time management is pretty important there. And in these convention rooms, it was a couple episodes back. We talked about how these conventions are like casinos with no clocks and, you know, day doesn't pass at all because there, there are no windows. Make sure you have some sort of timekeeping device nearby so you can know, okay, like we should be at this middle mark 
at this period of time. And if you're way earlier, way late, you need to start making adjustments. Um, I always have my, like, I'll have my phone on me um, when I play, which seems a little rude, but I use it just for, for the, the, the time piece. And sometimes I use it for timers too. But having that there, that is your number one tool when you're running a game that has a time limit, like, like you would at a convention, for sure. I highly suggest because there, there is a tendency with our society now where if somebody's looking at their phone, it's a sign that they're bored mm-hmm. is go out and buy yourself a $4 digital travel alarm clock. One of those little things that the size of a domino that has a little flip out case or whatever. It's like, it's got a little stand, something that makes it stand up and you can just put that like behind your GM screen or over here by your water or whatever. So you've got that just thing just sitting out there and you can look at that and it'll just, you know, the, the, the time will be always out. You don't have to go and like, you know, click the button on your phone to see it that I've found, you know, like I've used that before I had a, a smartphone on me. And even now when I have a smartphone on me, I use one of those. That's smart. I'm usually <laughs> running games off of my laptop. So I have, you know, the timer right there in the corner. There you go. Um, Real quick, piggybacking off of what both of you were saying, especially with crunchier systems like D&D, a lot of times those scenarios almost have it down to a science of like Mm -hmm. how much you can fit in a two or four hour convention time slot and just stick to like read the material that's written for conventions even if you're not planning on running it and you can learn a lot about pacing your home games too. Because I ran games at conventions, I know exactly how much D and D I can fit in four hours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I plan scenarios around that in my home campaigns, but going to um, something about the timekeeping as well. uh, In my experience, finishing early is always, always, always better than finishing on time or late. And a lot of times, if you finish like 15 to 20 minutes early, uh, the players will be very grateful that they have the extra time to relax and talk about the game uh, before they have to rush off to whatever their next thing they're doing is, especially at Gen Con, which is just so fast paced. Players really appreciate having the extra 10 to 15 minutes of downtime at the end, especially if you can hang out with them and give them some feedback or give and get some feedback during that time. To that end of like a five minute break halfway through. Oh yeah. You know, just, you, you can, uh, it, again, it's time management. There's definitely mm-hmm. a time management element. Don't, don't run a four hour or even three and a half hour game without giving the players five minutes to run to the restroom or get some water or whatever. That's yeah, also but- time that you should use to use the restroom and get some water. Um, don't stay at your table. Make sure you, you stand up a little bit, uh, drink water too, because in these convention rooms, if you're at a big convention, especially, but this is true, even if you're at a small one, you're going to be in a room, you know, if you've ever been to a convention, you're going to be in a room where there are lots of different tables and everyone's running games simultaneously and they're all projecting and it's like a restaurant. It gets really loud in there and you're going to need to project a lot. And in order to do that, you're going to need to drink some water so you don't lose your voice. Exactly. Uh, you need to stay hydrated. Okay. We're going to get to this later too. This is going to be my biggest tip for convention survival too, is to stay hydrated, stay hydrated, stay hydrated. Oh man. (laughs) Momocon 2016 or so. I think it was one of the first conventions I was running games at. For some reason they put the D and D literally one curtain away from the arcade games. Oh (laughs) yeah. So, so every GM was really having to raise their voice 
And I was running an adventure at the end of the convention, like at the end of the weekend with a hag in it. And I was so excited to do like a witchy hag voice. And I just was too hoarse to do the voice by the time I was actually running the adventure. Oh, no. Yeah. That's too bad. Um, if you are like a quiet person too, um, or if you do consistently run into the the problem of like losing your voice uh, halfway through a game or at the first day of a convention, you can get uh, anywhere. Like on Amazon, they sell these uh, personal amplifiers. They just you just hang them around your neck. There's a little microphone, and it will project your voice not like so loud around the room or anything like that. Although you can connect them sometimes to a Bluetooth speaker. Um, that has been, I know, a lifesaver for a lot of teachers too. Um, yeah, any, anybody who needs to project their voice for long periods of time. Yeah, I, I love though, I love being in a room where there is all that noise and all that energy because then you don't feel so awkward being really bombastic. Oh, yeah. Your story of, of playing the hag reminds me of when I was running a scenario that I had done, that I had made for um, Hood, which is a, it's a, it's a, a Robin Hood game. Uh, and in my scenario, I had a witch who would rhyme, um, and like all of her spells were rhyming based and the way that the game's kind of played is you don't know if she's actually magic or if it's just coincidence that these things happen. So I would like stand up and I would like yell all these stupid rhymes. And, um, I was happy to have other people in the room doing weird things at the same time. So I didn't feel like I'm like a wild person just standing on my chair throwing out poetry yep yeah i mean uh, especially with the um like the big interactive events and like honestly the beginner games too running beginner games at conventions is my favorite thing ever because you do get the like bright-eyed new player who's never done this before and everyone else in the room is being loud and bombastic so you the gm can be loud and bombastic and make the new players who have never done this before that much more comfortable being loud and bombastic too. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's fun for everyone. And it's so cool seeing like the, Oh, I can do that kind of expressions. Can I quickly tell my, my story of the, the person who is brand new to RPGs, maybe my favorite moment running a game at a convention ever. Yeah. Um, Real quick basics of it. Gathering players, um, Gals, this this woman sits down, young woman, who um, and we we get to talking about what you know games she's played and everything. She's only ever played board and card games. First RPG ever. She's playing one of my games, um, and we start playing and we get to the first like action sequence where there's everybody's got to kind of everybody has to go, like everybody has to be part of. It. Everybody has a turn. We get to her turn and I and she says, "What can I do?" And I said, "I said you can do absolutely anything you want to do." And she looked down at her character sheet and he kind of looked at the capabilities that she had on her she said can i do this and i said yes you can do that we ran her thing got around to her turn again and she said well what can i do and i said you can do absolutely anything you want to do and she looked at her character sheet again and she started like looked at like well i got this power and i've got this skill and then she picked the thing and she did it got around to her character her turn the third time and she said literally this happened again she said what can i do and i looked at her and i just kind of leaned and i said you can do absolutely anything you want to do and the light went on and she didn't look at her character sheet and she just started describing what her character was going to do. And I said, okay. And I think that sounds like a, you know, strength check and off we were where like it just like the moment, like in that moment, she, she got RPGs. Like she, she was, cause she played board games. She was used to having like, these are the things you can do on your turn. Mm-hmm. 
that's how the games play. But anyway, no, I love that about GMing. That's yeah. I love that about GMing specifically at conventions. It's this wonderful blend of being an entertainer. You are there to make other people have a great time in that moment, even more so than you would be at a, at a home game, because again, they are paying for it. They're there for an experience and it's, it's, it's a great time to, to turn that on. And sometimes you're teaching sometimes young people how to play RPGs in the first place. And it's great. And I love being an entertainer and I love being a teacher. And then I love being around strangers, I guess. Uh, apparently that's what I like to do. And uh, convention games are, are, are great for that. Um, I'm not saying you can, I would consider myself an introvert, but being an extrovert is a, is a good quality to have if you are yeah. going to GM at a convention. <laughs> I describe myself as an introvert who just happens to really like GMing. Like, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people. That oh, yeah. That. It's like when you're an introvert kind of a lot of the time, but like there's a few things that like, okay, this is where my passion lies. This is where the thing, this is the thing that I love. And it, like it, you, it flips a switch. Yeah. And, and then know, afterwards, I know, that, I know that happens to me. Yeah. And then afterwards it's like, okay, game's over. I'm going to go yeah, not leave be around me, people for Leave an me hour. alone. Yep. I'm going to go have something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then you don't have to feel bad about retreating into yourself during the convention later. Cause you're like, I just ran a four hour game. Leave me alone for yeah. like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Other little things. If you, if you are writing, you know, generating your own story, cause I've run into the opposite of this a few times is start big and obvious. Don't, I mean, like, like 10 minutes of exposition on the world and then seven clues. Um, they, they, you run the risk of like never getting to the first important thing until halfway through the game. Like I, I love uh, convention games that start like in media res. Like you're just oh, like, yeah. okay, boom, you're in the action right now. Like there's a fight going on or right now you're like your, your characters are being led away by the town guard because somebody did, you know, one of you did something wrong and you've got to deal with this situation. Um, so it immediately immerses the, the players in what the problem is for uh, for the game. It's also a good opportunity to teach rules in the moment yep. at that point in time. I don't like to rules bomb people at the beginning of a convention game, especially if you're playing a really crunchy system that could take forever. You don't need to explain every little single thing. Give them a scenario and walk them through it that first time. Plan like a little short one right at the beginning. Yeah, and just deal with the rules that they use as the game progresses. There's going to be whole yeah. subsystems of rules that you'll never touch. Yeah. If you you know if you're dealing with a crunchy game in four hours, you're not going to get to everything. If you can have pre-generated characters available, yep. have pre-generated characters available. If you're running your own system or an indie system, that's probably going to be the case already. Uh, I know a lot of the D and D conventions are going to have a stack of pre-made characters, but even then, D and D character sheets are a lot to someone who's never played before and being oh, yeah. able to just if you as the dm already know what the pre-gen characters can do you can make suggestions and explain as you go like hey player a your character um you know your character has a feeling that you know this thing might be cool to try <laughs> and kind of related to that i think one of the other really good things with convention games is just let the players do cool stuff create scenarios that let the players do cool stuff in your system on the, on the flip side to pre-gen characters if you're running a game where the in the the relationships between the characters are a paramount of paramount importance to the game like for example masks mm. is uh know the character creation system 
um, very well. So you can guide people through putting that character together in those first 10 minutes and get those character inter, uh, interrelationships established quickly so that you don't uh, spend too much time um, beforehand getting everything going and then get into the story. Um, so like, you know, make sure you're very much on top of that. And one of the things too, I've somebody who I know who ran, who runs like uh, PBTA games or any, any playbook game at the, uh, at the table or uh, at a convention is you don't, don't show up with all 15 playbooks. You got a five person table show up with six or seven so that everybody gets choice, but you don't have somebody hit analysis paralysis and, and can't choose between five options. Especially, you know, if somebody that kind of knows the game a little bit and they're like, Ooh, I like these six playbooks. I'm like, well, you got to kind of just pick one real quickly, please. Um. <laughs> one game that I've run like several years of convention games for is Clockwork Dominion. And the people who make the, like, they design the game, they make the scenarios for the convention games is uh, one cool thing that they do is that. They have pre-generated characters. They have them on a, they have them on, they're laminated. So you can write on them with wet erase or dry erase markers. So you can reuse the character sheets both times. And on the character sheets, it has a little bit of background that ties you into the scenario. And it tells you, here's how you feel about some of the other characters at the table. So you don't have to do so much exposition to start off because Clocker Dominion is a very, story rich kind of game you don't have to do so much exposition to get them into the story and know what the world's all about um you just need to give them a couple few pieces they read what's on their sheet and it lets them kind of embody this character as they go i think it really works well for that game in particular and if something like that would work really well with your game it is worth it to plan ahead to have that kind of information at hand because it can speed up the process um, like definitely when you are running a convention game, have those characters ready ahead of time. Don't do what I did one year and have to print off characters because you forgot them or lost them. I can't remember which one happened um, at the whatever office center that the convention center has that price gouges your printing costs. Don't do that. Um, bring those, bring pencils, bring dice that you, not for just you, but bring enough dice that in case everybody doesn't bring dice, you have dice for everybody. Bring water for yourself and maybe a mint if it's not during mask times. And what was the other thing that you should probably, oh, um, if you have feedback forms, bring feedback forms and a, you know, bag to hold it all in and uh, get to your table at least 15 minutes ahead of your game. Yes. Uh, setting up stuff for your game takes about five minutes longer than you think you actually need for it. Uh, but yeah, also, Definitely picking backing off of that. Print everything before you go to the convention. Yes. Like I mentioned I usually run games off of my laptop. Uh, I do that when I can. And it's really handy having like a thing, you know, for like initiative trackers and, and stuff like that. But there have been a couple of conventions I've been at where I either cannot be at a table by a power outlet or the convention is in a location where we are not allowed to use the power outlets. Uh, and in those circumstances, you got to have paper copies of everything. Yeah. Plan for the worst case scenario. Because sometimes, too, if you think that you're going to have access to your online Google Doc, everyone is using the Wi-Fi. Yeah. You're and, not you're not going to be able to. Don't you just don't do that. And, <laughs> if, and if and if you are printing out um, the sheets run on the assumption that this won't happen 
but run on the assumption that every player is going to take their character sheet with them if you're just giving them a piece of paper. Because some players love that. Like to be able to take home an artifact of the game and, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. here's, here's a reminder of this memory. I mean, I literally know people who like, they, they have the character sheets from their convention games. They keep them a in a folder somewhere and every so, often, every so often they pop through it and they're like, oh yeah, remember that game? <laughs> it's like scrapbooking, but for nerds. Yeah. I'm yeah. one of those. I'm absolutely one of those. I, I think I still have a folder full of character sheets somewhere on this bookshelf behind me. <laughs> oh boy. Can I give a couple tips before we sure. move on to the next thing? Because you can, anybody can, you know, sign up to run a game at a convention. And if you run so many games, typically you get a comped badge, which is awesome. But if you are planning on getting people to run your games at a convention or you are coordinating a group of GMs for a convention, please, for the sake of your GMs, especially your new GMs who might have never been to a convention before, schedule some sort of meeting. We have all we have all this technology. We all know how to hold a Zoom session now. Schedule a meeting ahead of time to run through, hey, here's where you can get water. I will provide you some water because I'm a kind and benevolent group organizer take care of your people at the conventions, tell them where they can find you. If there's an emergency or they need something, tell them where they can find their supplies. If, um, if they have supplies that they need to do and tell them where to drop off tickets, like make sure you run through all of those things because just having the safety net of knowing where you are going to go in case something goes wrong can alleviate that pressure and make everything else run smoothly. My, my advice on that note, and this is, uh, this is what I've done for the past few years, um, a Discord, di- dedicated Discord channel for just the people on Team Nerdburger and pinned posts. Like, I, 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 I type it all out. Here's everything you need to know about going to Gen Con. Pin the posts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, the, and then if, any, if any of them want to print it and take copies of everything, they've, they've got access to it or even online. Almost all the DM convention or the D&D conventions and stuff I've done, there has been a email thread or an actual forum of module questions as well, where DMs can compare notes about like parts of the scenarios and explain confusing rules, interactions and stuff like that. Stuff you can set up like that is also extremely helpful, especially for your newer GMs. Mm-hmm. You want those newer GMs to come back next you year. Do. So you have you really do. <laughs> you want more, you, they have to build the experience and then you have a team of experienced GMs who like to do what they do. Exactly. Working on it. <laughs> like I said, I've literally been starting to think about this. It's like, okay, hey. everything fell yeah. apart back in January of 2020, but I got to start thinking about like January of 2022. That's when I'm going to start organizing Team Nerdburger for Gen Con. Um, so yeah. Um, and as part of organizing all of that and getting GMs on board uh, is what Jess is talking about. That's that's survival convention survival 101 for the GM is just some of that basic stuff about the GMing side of thing. But just going to a convention in general, um, especially uh, this is you know for you if you are if if you've not uh, spent an entire you know weekend or, or three or four days at a convention. Um, but or even but also as a game designer, if you're you know doing the types of things that game designers do when they go to conventions. Um, so what's what's everybody's advice on just you know, okay, you're gonna be at this place for four days and you're just gonna be doing game stuff nonstop, right? It's just never stopping, never stopping. Don't treat it 100 percent like a vacation. It is a vacation, but you okay. 
first time I ever took Alex, uh, my partner, to Gen Con, we ate like crap for two days straight. And I was running <laughs> a lot of games and he was helping like he was running something. I can't remember what he was doing. Um, we ate like crap and we stayed up late and I'm never going to give up staying late at, at conventions, but that still doesn't help. And we didn't drink enough water. The third day we were, we were sick. We, we felt awful. So we went to whole foods and we ate a salad and we felt rejuvenated. Life had, <laughs> life had been pumped back into us. So tip number one, hydrate or dihydrate. Tip number two, eat a vegetable at some point during the convention. Um, it is so like, especially at, at Gen Con, it is so, so tempting to go to the food truck alley or to go to Steak and Shake and only eat French fries and noodles for four days, but you are going to feel awful. And if you are running games or if you're trying to run a booth and you are trying to represent yourself as a business owner and meet people, you you're, you're, don't feel sick when you do that. Take care of your body during the convention. Eat, eat a vegetable. <laughs> eat a vegetable. And I will say, be, be wary, know your body, know what, you know, how, what kind of a schedule for eating can you do? Are you bad at scheduling eating? And, and you know, like days go, a day goes by you and you yeah. don't eat, it's going to be even worse and even harder at a convention because there's going to be so much going on that the day's just going to slip past you. I get into a very specific routine when I go to conventions. You know, it's br breakfast is like a good, solid, sit down, filling breakfast that's going to power me for the day. And then light lunch can be something light that I can take with me. Um, because warning, uh, survival warning at the convention, what, depending on the convention, it's hard to get an hour to, to find, to find the hour to go and have a lunch and and to find a place where you can get the lunch in that amount of time. And sit down. Um, I mean, I've seen the Gen Con food truck lines at the wrong time of the day when people will stand in line for 45 to an hour and 15 just to get something from a food truck. Yeah, it turns out when everyone wants to go to a game at 10 in the morning and then they all get out at two, people want to go get their food after that. And it gets it gets clogged up. <laughs> Who would have thought? And so and then and then what you know, I what I will tend to do then is like plan for, okay, now I get I kind of get through my running games, dealer hall, dealer booth, whatever it is I'm doing, and then it's dinner and it's a real sit down, have a meal dinner where you can decompress, you can get food in you. Um, if you're planning, if you are a drinker and you're planning to have some alcohol later, it gets a little bit of food in you. So you're not going to get like sloshy drunk too quickly and, and mm -hmm. potentially ruin your whole night. Know your, again, know your body, know your schedule, know what you can take, but like scheduling time to eat is important, I think. And, and knowing, even if you just take like a little something light to go with lunch is like, we've talked about this before is then get up you know, have that hour or half hour between things that you've got going on. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to sit down in a comfy chair or outside on the lawn or whatever it is and get away from the rest of the convention and the noise and the hubbub and the sweat and the, the <laughs> everything else the and, and yeah. just relax a little bit. And, you know, there's, you know, like you're probably not going to necessarily go take a nap, but like literally just resting for half an hour, just mm -hmm. going outside and or finding a sofa in a, in a corner of the convention center that's unoccupied. Huge, huge help. Just like, yeah. I'm just going to sit down and I'm just not going to try to sleep. I'm not even going to close my eyes. I'm just going to sit here quietly for a little while, fiddle around on my phone, have a little something to eat, maybe chat with a friend, but it's away from all the excitement. Huge, huge. Yeah. Related to that, 
part of my standard DM kit at conventions is two boxes of granola bars for the entire weekend so that if I end up in a situation like that where there isn't time to run and get like an actual lunch or something, I have a reasonably healthy snack that'll hold me over for at least another round of games. Um, but have you two heard of the 621 rule? No. Okay. I, I don't know if this is, I think I learned this from Ginny Loveday at one of our conventions, but uh, the sure. 621 rule. I is, think I might know where you're going. Yeah. For every day of a convention, six hours of sleep two meals, one shower. It doesn't matter when they are during that day, so long as you get them. And that is the bare minimum uh, for every day of the convention. Yeah, it can be really tempting to just game straight and party all night, which I I really would love to be able to do, but I am in my 30s now, and I am not the the little teenager I was during my first Gen Con. Um, You... (laughs) You do have to take care of your body because you're not going to have a good time. Come if you, if you go to Gen Con, you start on Wednesday. By Friday, you're going to be feeling ill, um, and then you're not going to have any fun doing the things that you want to be doing. Um, it's okay to take a break. FOMO, I know, like that fear that you're going to miss out on something cool might happen, but you can here's, always pop right back in. It's here's fine. here's 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 the thing to keep in mind about FOMO. There's so much happening at the convention. You're going to miss out on a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. If you miss out on one more thing, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And you don't have to plan everything too in advance, but planning a little bit of what your day is going to look like before you get there, um, especially if your hotel or your Airbnb or wherever you're staying isn't close to the convention center, making sure that you have a space and you bring supplies that you need with you to the convention center is really important. Like your water bottle, bring a water bottle. Please drink some water. Big one. Um, you can also, um, it's helpful to bring like headache medicine. If you take aspirin or whatever it is, bringing something that will um, prevent that. Like if you're, if you're starting to get a headache, it's probably because the noise, you're running low on sleep or you're not hydrated enough. And at least you can take the aspirin and then drink some water to help you out with it. Um, uh, that that's really important and i know we're all more hyper aware of it now in 2021 but uh wash your hands often there was this thing before covid <laughs> called con crud and it's when you would actually get ill after the convention with something that wasn't life-threatening but still sucked um but washing your hands can prevent that uh you <laughs> You wash your hands, especially if you're shaking hands with a bunch of people. Um, and sharing dice. And sharing yeah. dice and, and being in a crowded area. Like all, all wash your hands um, often, even after this pandemic is over. I hope people don't forget that hand sanitization is one of the biggest medical marvels. Yeah, keep keep in mind all the stuff we've talked about that you're going to share with your players. You're going to give them, you're going to hand them character sheets that they can write on and hand back to you. And they're going to use your markers and your pencils and your dice and your playing cards and your chips and your minis and, you know. And, and you're all going to be breathing on the same small round table. Right. <laughs> you, um, you're going to. Yeah, like, hand sanitizer, wash your hands. Um, shoes and socks. Shoes, wear, wear comfortable shoes, do not wear brand new shoes. I don't care how cool your brand new Doctor Who TARDIS shoes are. 
A four-day convention is not the day to break them in because contrary to popular belief, they are not roomier on the inside than they seem to be. <laughs> they're probably going to be a little stiff and constrictive on your, on your feet, and they're going to start to hurt, and you might blister and all that kind of fun stuff. Number two, socks. A new, like a, a new, freshly, either brand new or like they were just washed and fluff dried, pair of, new pair of socks every day. Mm -hmm. don't wear this like you'd be amazed like just putting a like a new fresh pair of socks on in your shoes like just like you get up going and they're like they're a little they're a little fluffier they're a little more cushioned to them they're not you know they're nothing sweaty or anything going on um yeah add that to the six two one rule yeah Yeah. six hours of sleep two meals one shower one new pair of socks every day just add that to the two socks the six two two one rule yeah there we go (laughs) Yeah, um, that like making sure that you do sit down to rest. Um, if you do have a booth, um, the the floors in these convention centers are are typically hard concrete. Um, if you are interested at all in retaining people to stay at your booth um, year after year, you need to get those little foamy pad things that they can stand on um, to mm. also make sure that they can stand up and give them a chair to sit down on. For God's sake, give yeah, them a chair to sit down on. You're chairs. not Walmart. Yeah. If you're, if you're not, if you're uh, like, yeah, I, I typically don't bring like a rug or foam cushion or anything to stand on, but I'm all for like sitting down, like the, the chairs there, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I understand like the standing up eye to eye salesmanship, like, you know, that has a, there's a, there's a benefit to that, but you can also stand up and sit down. And you know what? After you get past the first, I use, I do this all the time. I'm such a liar, but here I'll tell you, and you'll <laughs> see me do this at conventions. Once you get past the first day, the second day, you can start using this line as somebody at work in a booth. People walk up and you're sitting on the chair. You say, hey, I would stand up, but my feet are killing me from yesterday. And there you go. Nobody's going to argue with the fact that you're sitting on a chair. Um, not that they necessarily would anyway, but like, yeah, I mean, just use the chair because uh, your feet are going to scream at you if you're on your feet for, you know, six to eight hours at a, at a booth for three, you know, four days. Um, even, even you, you, that doesn't even have to be a lot. You, your feet w- might literally be killing you from one day of standing the whole time. Yeah. Even if you're on a cushion, like if you're just not used to standing, yeah. backpacks it'll, it'll, too. it'll, it'll mess you up. Oh, backpacks. Yeah. Bring a backpack. Um, mm-hmm. And wear it correctly. And wear it correctly because you can hurt your back a lot. If you just think, oh, I'll get one of those free cool things, ink bags, those blue bags that they give out for free. And I'll put all of my, cause TTRPG core books and board games they're not heavy <laughs> no one has ever said ow this the, ow my shoulder hurts at a convention no, <laughs> no bring a backpack uh because um walking around all day um with all the cool stuff that you just bought will make you regret all the cool stuff that you just bought and- that's actually also a very important thing uh bring if, if you're flying to a convention or traveling to a convention out of state make sure there is room in your luggage for whatever you buy at the convention because shipping is expensive <laughs> um as far as the bag goes too, keep keep in mind um if you are not someone who normally wears a backpack or totes things around like once you get out of college from once i got out of college for me i wasn't carrying a, a bag full of stuff around regularly is um like i said wear the backpack properly. Don't just put it all on one shoulder all day long. And if you've got like a a shoulder bag, that's just hanging on a shoulder, it may feel uncomfortable and weird to have it on the opposite side that you're used to having it, but like wear it on different sides, different times. Don't let it just drag on one shoulder for, for days on end. 
um, because that shoulder, that shoulder will get sore. For me, it's I'm right-handed. I tend to have the bag on my right shoulder. I get to day three and like, I don't want to lift my hand to right because my shoulder is sore. If I'm not carrying the bag around in different, you know, you can also do the, like, if you like having the bag on your right side, put the strap up over your head to the left shoulder so that you, you put that weight on your left shoulder for a while. You're not putting all the same weight, you know, and, 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 you know, the, to broaden this out to anything that's cosplay oriented, if it's, if there's heaviness to it and everything too, is take breaks from that as well. Mm-hmm. Be careful about, you know, weight. You're like, you, I've designed this wonderful, cool power armor cosplay suit and it's kind of heavy. But I've, you know, it's okay. And then you don't realize, well, I've only ever had it on for half an hour at a time <laughs> while I was fitting something. And then you go and you want to walk around for four hours and get photographed and or you get the, to, you get to hour three and you're like, oh my God, the weather, um, be, too. you know, take breaks yeah. for that type of stuff too. Yeah. Weather, know the weather, be prepared my, for it. I, I, I take an umbrella absolutely everywhere I go. My first, my first Gen Con, which was also my first ever convention experience. <laughs> I thought it would be so fun to dress up like black mage from final fantasy and like the Lily but style. And uh, my entire costume was made out of fleece. And it, um, it was it, yikes. The convention is held in August. In, in your entire, your entire costume was made out of a sponge. I was, I was, I only wore it one day. I only wore it one day, which I was only planning on anyway, and I regretted it the entire time. Um, yeah, make sure that you're aware of that weather. I'm not a cosplay expert, though. I'm sure that those of you who do cosplay know way more about um, keeping yourself safe in cosplay than I do. Right, um, and but, you know, thinking about first timers too, like you're playing one of those anime characters, got that gigantic sword that you're going to have <laughs> perched on a shoulder. <laughs> Switch shoulders. Yeah, move it around <laughs> a little. Pose with it, you know, po- carry it on a shoulder, pose with it on the floor. Oh, man. Like yeah, just, I, you know, anything, uh, just like think about, think about whatever stress, just like in general, think about the stresses you're putting on your body that you're not used to putting on your body I often, and, and prepare for those. I often see like people walking around these convention halls in heels whether it's part of a cosplay outfit or because for some reason they wanted to wear their heels to the convention center and uh i get i get the desire to look cool like you mentioned like the the cool tardis shoes um but I think that you will see that a lot of people who have been going to conventions for a long time um will dress in comfortable clothes rather than stylish clothes because nerdcore clothes will be comfortable for you and you will not stand out. It's fine. You will look great in your comfortable tennis shoes and your comfortable pants and not sweating or dying. That's not sweating and dying look is a good look on everybody. <laughs> yeah. And if you're, if you're going to do any of that stuff, like, you know, again, just do it when, you know, like you're going to go cosplay pose in, in the heels for a couple hours. That's cool. A couple hours. You're going to go to some sort of masquerade ball in your cool costume. That's kind of unwieldy or has weird shoes that you're not used to. That's a couple hours. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But be careful about like, well, I'm, (laughs) I'm, you know, my, my, my hotel is a mile away (laughs) and I I came and I came to the convention in my cosplay. Like, yeah. what's that going to do to you? What are you going to do? How's, how's 10 hours in that costume going to treat you? Or 10 hours just in whatever clothes that you're wearing. Like, just think about, yeah, like, oh, man, I just, it, it, the, the epiphany was just kind of generally like hit me when I said it just a couple of minutes ago, which is like, 
think about all the stresses that are going to be placed on your body that you're not used to. Yeah. Now, for those of you out there who are on your feet all day, you're like, cool. I, I envy you. I, <laughs> that's great. Um, but for anybody else, uh, who's not like, just be, be aware, think about what that day is going to be like and adjust yeah. as you go. Like, you know, if like, if something really wore you out one day, don't do it again the next day, if you can help it. Yeah. Yeah. This, this does also include mental limits too. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, um, especially if you're running, you know, eight hours or 12 hours of games at a convention, because you can end up doing that. Make sure you give yourself a time to just you know, unwind and be away from people and, you know, keep in mind, like, just be mindful of, you know, stuff that you might be sensitive to as well. Like I can't do vendor halls during the busiest hours because the crush and the crowds are just too much noise and stimulation for me. Um, I actually, usually I don't actually go to the vendor hall until the last day of the con when they're taking everything down and I'll just get all the last minute stuff there. Cause I just, I can't do the busy days. And if you're going to be doing um, like highly immersive stuff, if you're going to be LARPing a lot, we talked about LARPs and bleed and like giving yourself time to kind of step away and, and decompress from those types of things too. Like you say, mental, mental uh, stresses, emotional stresses, um, just be prepared for all of that. And it, you know, and you might find yourself, I know that I've, I've met people who went to, for example, Gen Con for the first time and were just kind of emotionally overwhelmed by it because it's like, I'm suddenly like this person was suddenly surrounded by 60,000 people who are just like them and they never knew this existed. And it's like emotionally draining over the course of the day that there's all these things that you can do and everybody loves this stuff too. And it, you know, yeah. like it, it, it will, you know, it, it can be something like if you know that you're the type of person that's going to be affected by that sort of thing, that you can be prepared, um, that you might need to step away from something for a little while or have a friend that you can hang around with. Um, some conventions have uh, like quiet areas that are designated for places for people to step away um, for people who are ne- uh, neurodivergent, who have like, they, they, like just spending the entire day surrounded by that many people is going to be a problem for them. It's, it's going to be stressful. Um, you can get away from all that kind of stuff. There's, uh, you know, like any big con worth its salt has something like that in place now. Speaking of which, get a map <laughs> so that you know where that place actually is. Yeah. Most conventions have them. Can you find it? That's the other part. Uh, and, because, and get a map to know where all and know where all yeah. your stuff is. Everything yeah. you're gonna you might use. Make sure you know where your game rooms are. How you're gonna get to your dealer table if you've got one to, yeah, to go like, help out at or like where the food's going to be. Like you don't, the last thing you want to be doing is like wandering the convention hall, trying to figure out where the food court is when you're really hungry and only have an hour. Like (laughs) Gen Con is enormous. Dragon Con in Atlanta is enormous. You know, it's all spread out between like six different hotels and uh, knowing which hotels you need to be at and where those hotels are and where in those hotels you need to be. And how long it'll take you to get there. So important. Yes, also that. Like I remember Gen Con, like all the D&D stuff was off in its own hotel, completely separate from all the indie game stuff. So I wanted to go play one of Craig's games at Gen Con. And by the time I got there, uh, I didn't realize it was that much of a walk. Like the next round of games had already started. So... (laughs) um <laughs> it's like get a map your classes like for it college. really is it you really is across campus <laughs> um yeah it, it's all of the fun of planning your classes in college except uh your classes are four hours long and you have 15 minutes between them 
(laughs) 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 yeah Uh, but it's way more fun I love conventions I I missed them so much last year I had the option um, to go to Gen Con this year and I'm glad that I was able to go um, even just for the two days that I went Um, and I'm really looking forward to when everyone can go to conventions again safely and uh, we can go back to gaming gosh gaming without a mask on would be awesome at some point um, so you don't have to yell even louder uh, to, <laughs> to be heard. Uh, I, I just, I love it so much because it is exciting and it's a chance, like convention literally means coming together and you get to come together with all these people and people that maybe you've only met online or new people and uh, give yourself some time that you can spend not playing games with people and just hanging out to um give yourself that chance to to meet people and exchange socials and exchange business cards and go do karaoke or whatever oh yeah um and, and uh <laughs> yeah you'll you do that and then you get hooked and then you spend you know five hundred dollars every year go to a convention yeah. <laughs> at the same time every year and you know that's actually that that brings that hits another um like yeah make time to socialize at the conventions uh, but also for people who look at conventions and think, oh man, that seems so cool, but like, I don't know how I could afford that. Volunteering at conventions and running games at conventions really, really drives the costs down. Like like Jess said, if you run enough games, they'll comp your badge at Gen Con. If you run an absolutely absurd number of games, they comp your hotel room as well. And you're yeah. most likely going to be in a hotel room with like three other people. Uh, who are running the same game, but um, you know the uh, uh, the thing about that is, you know, the groups are mo- every organization I volunteered with is very good about making sure people are comfortable in their whole you know arrangements there, and uh, being able to go to the conventions, you're probably not going to be able to do much more than the games you're running, but you get to be there and you get to meet people and you get to just have the experience mm-hmm. and it's fun it's great it's my favorite way to game yeah <laughs> it's my absolute favorite way to game oh man now i'm missing it even more i know <laughs> and it's probably going to be uh, i don't know it's going to be either origins or or gen con before i have like what i consider like my personal optimal um convention experience which also yeah. involves like hanging out with friends and other industry folk and and new people that i've met and everything like I'll probably do some conventions that are going to be like, I'm mostly just like in my dealer hall at my table doing my thing. And then like, you know, when it's done, I'll get dinner and go hang around in my hotel room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alex just got back from GameholeCon. Um, he was helping run some stuff for IGDN and he was texting me about his experiences the whole time. And I was like, jerk, I want to do that right now. I want to be there. <laughs> me and my job prevent me from being there. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just so excited. Um, I think next year at least by gen con time I, my fingers are crossed i'm, I'm hoping um that we will actually have a, a regular um uh, convention by then by next august and if not yeah. we have bigger things to worry about i guess i'd love to make it back to origins uh for oh, me yeah. origin like the slower pace of origins was for me just so much more fun and more relaxed than gen con mm-hmm. gen con was a ton of fun but it is so busy like origins i felt like you actually had time to breathe and get to know people between events 
You didn't just cozier. have to run straight to the next thing. It was a lot cozier, and I really enjoyed that atmosphere. And when it's held in its regular time, usually Columbus's Pride Parade is during the same mm. weekend, and that's always fun, too. Uh, I love Origins. I, I prefer it over Gen Con. Uh, and I've, I've been to a lot of small conventions now, too, and small conventions are great, too. Small conventions of, are great, yeah. A lot of the problems that we were talking about with running conventions or running games at conventions aren't really a problem at these smaller conventions because it's just in one hotel, usually, and it's cheaper to go because they're usually local to you. Um, so if you're worried, if you're like, especially for someone who's um, uh, non-neurotypical and uh, you're worried about feeling that overwhelmed, going to those smaller conventions is is a is a good way to gauge how you might do at a bigger convention and it might be the thing that you end up preferring anyway yeah it's actually how i met craig at a, a yeah sm- yeah small <laughs> small andocon yeah small local convention yep yeah so all right well yeah. thank you yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> yeah no problem good times noodle salad yeah <laughs> But uh, Ben, tell us a little bit about what you're up to and the plugs that you would like to plug. Ooh, yeah, so I don't have a whole lot to plug at the moment. I did some uh, freelance writing earlier this year uh, for stuff that'll actually, uh, yeah, that'll hopefully show up soon. I'm, I can't remember if I'm allowed to talk about it or not, so I'm, I'm not <laughs> going not to talk. To, yeah. I'm going to err on the side of I shouldn't talk about it. I do a little bit of freelance writing. If you wanted to check out uh, my game, it's Lightning War, a epic high fantasy World War II game about the kind of bad, scary part of fighting fascism and stuff. It was a lot of fun to work on. It was a really cool project getting to, you know, kickstart one of my own games and everything. And I'm still just so grateful to Craig for helping me through that whole process. And I'm, yeah, so right now I've, I'm so eager to get back into game design and game development and everything. I've just had too much other stuff going on in my life right now, especially with the pandemic, Mm -hmm. but I'm really hoping that 2022, I can get back into it. So yeah, there we go. Rock and roll. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm uh, Craig Campbell of Nerdburger Games. I'm at Nerdburger Craig on Twitter and the website is nerdburgergames.com and you can find the games uh, there and at DriveThruRPG. And I'm Jess Geyer. I'm with Wannabe Games. I actually have something to plug finally. We yeah! Have, hey! <laughs> we have an upcoming Kickstarter for our new game, Means of Magic. It's a game where megacorps are, you know, destroying the environment using magic. And there's all, all, sorts, of, or, all, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. I can talk. Uh, <laughs> you can find out more or follow our Kickstarter page at bit.ly forward slash means of magic with a K at the end of magic. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at, at Joska, where I tweet about game design and games and random things all the time. And uh, yeah, thank you again, Je- uh, Ben, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.